0: Hello everyone, welcome to another edition of Bannering the Blue Shirts, I'm Tom Merch Jr., and as always
2: I'm joined by Mike Murphy. How's it going today, Mike? Hey Tom, I was just telling you before the show that my kitchen sink is leaking, the the pipe that goes to the underneath part that makes it, you know, a sink, so that's fun. Uh, but I also got in the mail today, the for my mail-in ballot, the little notification thing that my the county I live in, New Jersey, said they received my ballot. So that's fun. Now, did you get a sticker too, or just like a notification that? We've oh, I didn't po- get a sticker, son of a bitch. Yeah, I just got like a, a postcard essentially.
0: Because I know in some places there are, have been people who are not getting stickers, but they're actually getting uh, like ballpoint click pens and. Uh, what? Yeah, I mean, I I haven't um. In the last few years, I've not received a sticker. I'm just wondering if it's because my polling place is really small or maybe it was just because it wasn't a, um, you know, presidential election year. But, you know, I'm hoping to get a sticker. Like, I, I still have, I think, the sticker from um, the last presidential election I voted in um,
2: somewhere. But I have mine on my old canteen, I think.
0: You know, I kind of realize it's kind of interesting. Like, and every time you know we start recording, you know, we we do the little bannering back and forth of how how's everything going, and then I know how everything's going. I'm like, hey, how's it going, Mike? And it's like, well, just like I told you, not really that good. Um, but hopefully your <laughs> your your sink does get fixed. Um, with the Rangers, they had uh, some business to take care of and since the time that we last spoke,
2: uh, they've actually taken care of a lot of business. Um, I don't know a surprising amount of business. I didn't expect them to get all these things done um, that they've been able to do. I mean the, the big one you know the, our last show we spent a lot of time talking about how much of a position of power uh, Tony D'Angelo was in. Um, Heading into what looked like, to me, it felt like a pretty close to inevitable arbitration hearing. Um, But that's not what happened, Tom.
0: Yeah, I'm actually surprised that he re-signed for two years at $4.8 million. Um, The more I thought about it, and it's kind of funny, the day that he signed, I was actually thinking to myself is it worth putting together a story like, you know, about how the last major arbitration case was with uh, Jacob Truba and how Truba went in. uh, I think his, his number was 7 million. The jets were at 4 million and then they settled for five and a half uh, through arbitration. And I'm saying to myself, well, D'Angelo's numbers are much better. Like he really could have uh, turned, turned the screws to the Rangers, but he didn't. And he set himself up for the second year where the second year amount is higher than the first. So, uh, he'll be in the position that Strom is in now. He'll be in the position that Kevin Hayes was in, in that he will be in his last year of RFA status with a a chance to sign a one-year deal that takes him to unrestricted free agency. Uh, I, I know we've all talked about the situation ad nauseum, uh, I don't really make much of this deal other than he gets him signed. It's at a manageable number, all things considered, when you look at what certain players who have his level of production are making. And it's still it's a, a very tradable contract if the Rangers find themselves in that position. Uh, the, the key now is he's been paid. And he's moved himself into a new bracket in in finances, and the play is going to definitely have to uh, catch up with that.
2: Yeah, like I... Like, if in the world where the the Rangers gave Tony D'Angelo a a deal with term, um, and they really extended him and said, you know, they made the sort of contract... They offered him the sort of contract that is a statement saying you're going to be part of this team this young emerging team because you know if you erase all the noise in your head and you think of the talent that he has and like you forget about fox and truba and all that and you just say i mean he's the right age uh he has a very valuable skill set and all that it it's conceivable that he could be making you know comfortably north of six million a year just based on you know what he was able to do this past season but you know you have all these other factors uh the big one obviously being kind of the flat cap uh and then of course the fact that he is kind of a luxury to the rangers just because of what they have in-house already um and of course you know adam fox is going to be on his elc for you know a couple more years which is a good thing that's one more reason why you really want to develop young talent tom is you get guys at just you know bottom of the barrel price tags and you don't have to worry uh too much and you can you know even and there, unless a guy is immediately a superstar which is only good news the price tag will go from an elc to you know someone who takes up a big percentage of your cap but this was a deal like i said i was expecting this to be something of a headache but the rangers get it done and tony d'angelo is under contract for two more years and you know for those who are curious the cap hit is at 4.8 million uh his base salary is up uh to 5.3 million in the second year of his deal so it's 4.3 this upcoming season but um yeah i mean this got signed either the day after or later in the day when we did our, our last show so I mean, I was way off base thinking it was going to be this big headache because it got done. Still a little surprised, but it is what it is. It's uh, the Rangers have that right side all solved, and now really the big question for the blue line is what the hell is going to one? What will the pairings be? But two, uh, the Jack Johnson uh, situation, the the battle for that third defensive pair spot on the left side and whether or not a kid can take it or anthony potato who the hell knows what's going to happen tom but yeah d'angelo locked in at two years and like you said a very tradable contract because that is something to keep in mind here especially you know after this season the rangers could have a better idea of how far along things are with guys like hedel like how much and you know also it's perfectly conceivable although we should mention uh, strom strome has not yet signed nor has lemieux um and you know they could feel like maybe they can move d'angelo to address you know address a need at center or address a need elsewhere and you know try to do a trade that benefits both teams whoever that team on the receiving end might be but we'll have to see what happens but he wasn't the only ranger who signed Tom.
0: No, uh, Alex Gorgiev also re-signs uh, two years at a cap hit of $2.425 million. Uh, nice little bump for Gorgiev. Yeah, um, good for Gorgie. And his contract is a little more uh, straightforward. Uh, he gets the $2.2 million base salary this year. It goes up to two point six five next year. So it's very much in line with... Um, you know, it's it's nothing where the Rangers have to worry two years from now. Okay, we are going to have like a significantly higher qualifying offer. Um, it certainly buys the Rangers time. It buys them time in tr- seeing what they have in him. And if the mode is to have this tandem of Gorgiev and Shosturkin continue, uh, it also buys them time in the, the trade market where we saw that, there really wasn't an opportunity for goalie trades because there was just so many free
2: agents and And the market was flooded and still is like, there's still some goalies out there who are good or good enough to have an NHL job. Like, you know, the Ryan Miller's of the world. And, you know, Craig Anderson probably isn't really an NHL level goalie anymore, but he's still out there. And Jimmy Howard, I think is still out there. Like, um, The market was just absolutely flooded, and so many of us were talking about, you know, what the Rangers could do in terms of trading Yorgiev in the offseason or at the draft or something, and you look at what this market is, Tom, and it's like, oh yeah, no one was probably wanting to give up anything for a goalie, and that might not be the case next year, though, so that is something to keep in mind, or even two years down the road.
0: Yeah, and I I think also the other thing was, I think Marc-Andre Fleury was the one big name in trade that everyone thought was going to go. And at least from Vegas' perspective, they've came out and said that they're going to go with a tandem of Flurry and Leonard uh, going forward. Uh, I don't know if the fact that Leonard had to have surgery, you know, impacted that at all although they knew that when they were going to sign him and it doesn't sound like it's anything major um but i I think it was just like a financial thing of they really just couldn't find anyone who was willing to eat any money um of
2: flurry but uh that that's a situation i hope hope flurry can play with the sword in his back that's all i really (laughs) want yeah
0: that is going to be (laughs) it's a sword in his back and a uh injured shoulder for leonard it's just uh Yeah, how much does Vegas have in their goalies now? Leonard was five, and Fleury, I want to say, was seven. Seven? Seven to five. 12
2: million tied up in their goalies. That's. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's out of the conference for us. Like, this is a team the Rangers shouldn't have to worry about except for a couple times in the season and then the Mm -hmm. playoffs, potentially. But um, if everything goes right in the playoffs. But, yeah, um, very interesting. But, you know, it's. There's a lot of teams where you look around like actually another example of uh, a team that's kind of interesting to me is like the Bruins have uh, a situation not unlike the Rangers in terms of like one side of their defense the right side is strong and then the left side is kind of garbage mm-hmm. um, and looking at how these teams have emerged but you know the Rangers didn't make any splashes in free agency um and they're kind of going into next season with the roster they had um of course the big giant juicy question mark is ryan strom and then you know you have to address the the absence of jesper fast but then like what is this team essentially like jesper fast out and alexi lefranier in kind of a deal like it's um it's fun to kind of imagine what this team could be and of course mark Stahl too but like, trying to divine how what this roster can do with the kids another year older, and God, God, I hope Capocacco has just a monster sophomore season, but we'll see. But to get back to what we were saying, it is, this was a good deal for for the Rangers and for Georgia, for, like you said, I'm still really curious, just because the trend, like, Shosturkin is one of those guys you look at and you're like, oh, he can be your workhorse. You know, he can start... 65 games in a season 60 games in a season but that just doesn't happen so yeah it's interesting to me if the plan moving forward will be to to be open to the idea of the tandem or if benoit Air and the rangers coaching staff are so confident in what they have in Georgiev that they i mean in what they have in and that they just go with him as the stud starter
0: yeah, it's certainly going to be interesting. Um, the Rangers still have a lot of time. Um, the NHL today, they officially uh, announced that the you know the Winter Classic is not going to be held this year. They're not going to have an All-Star game. So all of those things are being pushed back. But they wanted to make sure that, you know, letting everyone know that they're still trying to target January 1st as a start date. But, um, you know, we will certainly see what happens there. Um, We teased last week that we were going to have a little bit of a different show um, this week, and we're going to be joined by a guest, uh, Julie Stewart-Banks. She's been doing a lot of different things in media currently. She's hosting uh, a show on on FUBU, uh, Drinks with Banks. Um, So we're going to take a little commercial break now, and after the break will be our uh, interview with Julie. So uh, we will be right back. welcome back from the break everybody um at this time we're pleased to be joined uh by the host of drinks with banks which airs every friday at 8 p.m eastern on a fubu sports network uh julie stewart Banks, how's it going julie
1: hey guys thanks so much for having me on pleasure to be here and talk a little hockey uh you know i can't get enough of it and especially as a canadian in the states uh, always appreciate the opportunity so thanks for having me on
0: So how has everything been going for you, uh, during the, the pandemic?
1: Uh, you know, I guess it's as good as it can be going. I still have a job. Uh, I think our, our, um, expectations of what our life is like have, have certainly changed. Um, yeah, I mean, the last eight months I've been able to shoot my show from home, which is a studio apartment in Manhattan. And, uh, my boyfriend also is a, well. He's a podcast producer, so he works out of this studio apartment as well. So it is basically a reality show that we have. By just even the mere idea of having to schedule our different interviews and sessions that we have, so it's uh, it's been fun. It's it's worked out well. And and to be honest, like uh, it's the silver lining of the pandemic is being able to do my show from wherever because I was able to go to Canada where I'm from. I went to Toronto this summer and I did my show in quarantine um, because that's what you have to do when you go there. And then I did it from my mom's house and my childhood bedroom. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been weird. It's been different, but I think as you guys will, you guys already know this as podcast dudes is that like, you can do everything on your own. You know, you don't need a whole fancy studio and you don't need all these bells and whistles. Like we can kind of do the nuts and bolts of what we want to do right from our home. So in that way, it's it's been easy.
2: I wanted to quickly ask Julie, like I've only, it's only hit me recently that, cause normally this time of year, we're all like getting amped up for the season. Like things are in, in swing and now we had that bizarre kind of holding period and we were like, are we even going to have hockey? And then, (laughs) you know, Gary Bettman was trying to tell us it's all going to work. Everything's going to work. And we talked about the bubble and where the hell the bubbles are going to be. And somehow everything worked, but it's the off season now. And it's, you know, it's almost Halloween. Is that throwing off your internal cycle at all as as a lifelong hockey fan? Because for me, I'm, I feel like I'm in like, obviously everyone's already in Bizarro World because of what's going on with COVID, but I feel utterly lost. I feel like I'm in the middle of like the ocean looking for a shoreline. I'm like, I don't know where I am anymore.
1: Yeah, it is interesting. It's almost as if we have vertigo. I was (laughs) listening to SportsCenter today and I heard them talking about the Masters and I was like, wait, uh, what? Like it's October. Like that doesn't make any sense. And I did find it interesting. I interviewed John Cooper from Tampa Bay Lightning, who, of course, just won the Stanley Cup. And I said, so what happens now? Like, are, where are you going in the off season? Where are you going to bring the cup? He's like, well, it's like my kids are in school. And, like, it's the middle of fall now. So <laughs> it's not like you're going to the lake where, uh, you know, a lot of guys will bring the cup sort of all over these small towns in Canada and have all these big... Party, well, obviously, you know, COVID aside, but have all these parties uh, outside and it, it's summertime. It's like, you know, it's like winter now and it's, you know, the league's going to start up in January. It's, it's quite odd. This is sort of when everything's starting to get going. We're sort of starting to see like what teams are going to be uh, a team that could be a contender at, uh, you know, at Christmas time. And then we lead into, I'm Canadian, so the World Juniors are definitely a big thing. And that is going to go on still at this point. But it is it is really weird because like your internal body clock sort of knows when everything is going on, right? Like it's it's the Stanley Cup final, it's then the NBA finals after that. And then you're like, oh okay, I'll watch some baseball. And then you, you do, <laughs> and then like college football starts, NFL starts, then you finish off. I mean, you know, baseball is pretty much the only one that's basically well and NFL on the same schedule. But yes, hockey has been a really weird year and I can't imagine what it's like for the guys. They must be exhausted, but then also like they now it doesn't feel like that much time until they have to start up again.
2: Yeah. And they all talk about, you know, hoping to have everything solved, like with contracts and everything. And we hear, yeah, you know, we'll have this sort out by training camp. No one knows when the hell training camp. Yeah. Is be. So it's all this weird, like vertigo is a good word for it. Everything is topsy turvy. And like, I am just, trying to wrap my head around, yeah, this will all be hockey again in January.
1: Yeah. And, and I mean, like, is it, is it hockey in January in bubbles? Is it going, do they want fans? Like we've seen all these places trying to have fans. We've seen massive outbreaks in college football and in NFL. And of course in MLB earlier on, but um, you know, they need the gate revenue. Like that's something that we all know very well from watching the league, but can you, can you bring people inside somewhere probably not uh especially with how this the things are going with the virus so we all want it to come back we all want it to be normalized but you're gonna basically i mean are you gonna go back to edmonton and toronto uh i don't think some of the guys want to do that but how much do you want to start playing for the stanley cup again so we'll have to see
0: so this is a hockey podcast, and we're certainly going to talk a good deal of hockey. Um, but I w- sort of was interested in, in your opinion. Uh, a story comes out on the Athletic the other day, uh, entitled "Why do so Why do so few women work in sports radio?" And it's a topic that generated a lot of in air quotes interesting comments um and i saw you were tweeting about a little bit you mentioned that your your mom was a national radio reporter for cbc news um what are your your thoughts on, on the article and sort of just thoughts on the opinions that sort of spurned from this story
1: yeah, I think it's like a story that has so many different layers to it, because it is true. There is, you know, the huge question of why aren't there more women in sports talk radio? Well, it's it's kind of a chicken and an egg situation. I talked about this, I tweeted about it, but at the Baird Sports Media uh, Summit, which is a, it's, it's a radio summit that happens pretty much every year, and there's radio directors, news directors from all over the country. And it is, first of all, you have uh, young women, such as myself, and we don't see anyone that in the industry that would be almost like a role model. Like, you know, when I watch sports and I see, oh, Katherine Tappan's hosting NHL on NBC or, um, you know, whoever it is, it's Michelle Beadle, it's it's Rachel Nichols. It's whoever you see and you see them doing the job that like you want to do. That gives you that gives you kind of like a bit of a direction of like, oh, I can I want to do that thing, too. I can do that. Someone that looks like you doing it, right? This is what we're also seeing with different representation and the need for diversity in all these different roles as well. well. If you don't see anyone doing radio, why why would you even consider that a workplace that you want to be in? That's one facet of it, but the second facet is there the people that are making the decisions. Uh, there's much more sexism and misogyny in radio than there is in television. This is because it there there's always been this like age old uh idea of like no one wants to listen to a woman's voice when my mom was growing when my mom was in the industry it was like no one wants to listen to a woman's voice no one wants to h- listen to a woman talk sports and when you have broadcasting you you have an element of an image like it is an image based industry so you have this like oh well but men would l- what, like to look at a woman talk sports but a men wouldn't Man just wouldn't want to hear a woman talk sports and i know that sounds like so, so, so dinosaur old school, but there's so many people in charge and news directors that like still think this way. They'd be like, Oh, well, we can't trust a woman with a a drive time spot. Like what is she going to say during a pregame of the, the jets? Like she doesn't know anything about this. And it's like, it's 2020. I mean, if a person knows something, if they're at this level to be able to compete for this job, Uh, they're qualified and it doesn't matter what the anatomy of the person is. It's like, it's so crazy how old school it is. So when I talked at this conference, I was like, I looked at the room. I said, it's, if you're wondering why there's not, there's no women um, on air, it's you're the gatekeepers, like the guys in charge. You could even liken it to why we don't have as many black NFL coaches as we should, because, owners they look to people that that look like them and that they know and that they feel comfortable around and it takes people to sort of break out of that stereotype and break out of like that mold of oh well i'm i'm gonna hire someone that i know and and oh i trust like a white dude to to host this show but i don't know about this chick like it takes people to to actually stay it's like what what like am i am i like a Like a dog or something like I'm an I'm an actual person. I can handle this. And if you can't handle it, you aren't in that position to be able to receive that role. And so I think that there is I mean, there's a desperate need for more women in sports talk radio. There are so many incredible female minds out there you see them on twitter all the time and there it's a growing industry and luckily the podcast world has been able to facilitate those voices we know it's difficult to get in these big roles on television and even as a reporter you don't really get a whole lot of time on air but um yeah it's it's just been an industry that has been inherently sexist and as someone who did, just as my final thought, sorry about my TED Talk on this, no, but no, I, I did do my undergrad thesis on women sports broadcasters and sort of the harassment that they endured in the television field. And I always regret that I didn't do the radio side because the TV side has like this whole other, it's like the tip of the, I mean, the tip of the iceberg of, of women in broadcasting is women on television. And women in radio, like they have had to fight so hard for any ounce of respect, because um, because there's just been a lot of misogyny in that in that way. So I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that article was written because the more we talk about it, the more people realize their beliefs and their stereotypes, and that we need to break them.
2: It's it's so interesting to me what you said about it's something I cover a lot of women's hockey and something I. You know, a comment that a fan made, like, this year was just, if you can see it, then you can be it. Mm-hmm. And it's, that is, like, it's such a simple, like, bumper sticker kind of thing to say. But you think of that big picture, and, like, I think about, you know, it's alarming to me how much further behind sports talk radio is to just, like, sports on TV. And I think of, like, someone like A.J. Maletzko, who is so yeah. good yeah and what she does, like, I learn more from her talking between the benches when I'm watching an Islanders broadcast than I do anyone else. Mm-hmm. Like, when I watch Pierre, I, I'm looking for a wall to hit my head against. <laughs> but, when, but when AJ's talking, I'm like, yeah, just keep, why, can we go back to her? I want, I want more of her insight. And, you know, I think about how, like think back to like sherry ross is the first woman to do color like to do play-by-play for the devils and like how things have been kind of the slow roll and it feels like we have these little these little like beams of light here and there these little breakthrough moments but how the hell has this wall not come down yet and i think the problem is we don't talk enough about this this omnipresent Misogyny—that just—it's mm-hmm. always there, and it's this obstacle. Like, you shouldn't have to run over the same hurdles that your mom did in the industry, or that you know women who came before you did. It feels like shouldn't we be over that? And you know, there is, especially in our in our sport with hockey. Like, we heard uh, you know there's speculation about whether or not Angela Ruggiero was being talked about as a candidate for the GM role in Florida, which got me really excited because she's such an exceptional mm-hmm. person. And oh yeah. And, and then we know, of course, like, Kami and as a scout for Seattle and what Haley Wickenheiser is doing in Toronto. So, like, it feels like we're getting these little beams of light, but goddamn, I want the wall to come down. It's been way too long.
1: Yeah, it, it, it has. And, and when you mentioned AJ there, too, it's like, even her being in that role, she will have had to have worked like 10,000 times harder than any other dude in that role just to be on the same level of being considered, right? So it's like all of us, every step of the way, like imagine whenever I've walked into any room, everyone assumes you don't know what you're talking about like they all they all have the pretense of just like okay you have to you have to convince them that you know and you know what you're talking about and that you deserve to be there which is like no other man usually has to deal with that because that's just like age old stereotypes and it is sad i had linda Cohn on my show drinks of things this week and she is uh that will air on friday night and I asked her, oh, like, what are you, I spun it positively. I was like, what have you been um, most happy about and most proud of in the changes that you've seen in the sports world since you began? And she's like, well, you know, I'm seeing more women in contention for bigger jobs, like in contention for the host of something or the main face of something. But she's like, we're not, she's like, I thought we'd be way further along than we are now. And so that's disheartening, but at least like, uh, hockey Twitter. There's there's so many awesome females on hockey Twitter, and it's like we all kind of band together and, like, have each other's back that it makes you feel like, hey, you're not alone in trying to do this, and that's cool. And there's a lot of, like, great hockey guys. Like, this isn't to say – I think a lot of men, like, get confused with this idea that uh, helping – a a woman get a role doesn't mean anything negative against them. It's like, uh, and all of us need advocates like of, of men that have helped us, you know, it's, it's as much as, um, in a very different sense, like being an ally for a black person. It's like they have had in a very much, much more difficult world to have to, to live in and grow up in. And that like, you know, they can't do it alone. And so the same thing is like, white dudes out there like you can you can help a lot of people out so you should
2: <laughs> especially those who seems like it's the same old hockey dudes who are in positions of influence and yes they hire their nephews to fill the jobs that they had. yeah it's gone on and on and on
0: so i was sort of interested in shifting gears a little bit as someone who who grew up in canada obviously hockey is huge in canada you know that's stating the obvious um Look. as as someone that now lives in new york um if you've seen sort of just any differences in just how the sport is covered like how much attention is given to it um you know just your your perspective on that
1: yeah well i kind of had an interesting foray into hockey in the states because like i was in the thick of it in canada and went from like doing a lot of junior hockey to then going to la where it was definitely not really talked about although they won the cup I'm very sorry. (laughs) uh, I was like, oh, no, I'm going right towards the bad place right now um, in the year that we will not talk about. Uh, (laughs) But I was in L.A. then and I covered it that year um, in 2014. But then I actually got an opportunity because I was on. I was on the road with, I did the Eastern Conference final that year and, and that was, you know, the Rangers and the Canadians. And so I got to know a lot of like the beat writers and the reporters and like everyone with the Rangers and everyone was so nice to me. I I uh, so vividly remember every single person and they're all pretty much still working, kind of covering hockey in New York right now. And then, of course, going through to the Stanley Cup final and, and whatnot. But I I was hap- really happy to move to New York because it was like, okay, while this isn't Canada in terms of the, the hockey fandom, it is a place that has deep history, uh, you know, a, a deep desire to win and really passionate fans. And so it felt kind of like a bit of a homecoming in a way like, okay, I'm with like an original six team city now, like this feels a lot better than LA, which was You almost feel bad for the guys out in L.A. Like they they win two Stanley Cups in like three years. And Jeff Carter would be walking along the street and like he would like this, I'm sure. But no one would know who the hell he is. And it's just like no one's really you have great fans at the games, but it's just not it's not a sports town and it's not really a hockey town. So, yeah, coming here, I've I've enjoyed it. The coverage is a bit different because it's also a basketball town in New York. Right. So uh it's it's um but it's also a town that hasn't won a lot recently so a little bit of doom and gloom yeah (laughs) (laughs) but i've always had i have nothing but good things to say about the rangers organization i've been since honestly day one like in 2014 getting to getting to sit down with henrik lundquist marty saint louis right after his mother had passed away during the playoffs to then being here, getting to work with MSG and on a couple different events and and covering the team, like it has been class all the way. So uh, MSG, the Rangers, always hold like a,
0: a special place in my heart.
1: Until the Leafs play them, that's sort of the only other time.
0: <laughs> so you bring up Henrik Lundqvist, and obviously, uh, it's it's something that. Any you know fan that was paying attention to the team, they kind of saw where things were going, where his future with the team was going to come to an end. Uh, I would say the thing with Henrik Lundqvist, and again, like it's it depends on you know the market. Like there's a lot made out of you know, okay, a player can be only so great unless they've won a championship. It's just this stupid rings argument. Yeah. Um, so from your perspective, like obviously Hank was loved in New York, but as, you know, someone who uh, lived in Canada and obviously there's so many amazing stars of the sport. Uh, what do you, you sort of speak to what he meant to uh, like hockey as a sport during his peak with the Rangers?
1: Oh, I mean, he's just, you know, I mentioned professionalism in class and like he's the poster child for it. And he is uh just so well-respected throughout the entire league. Um, the way he presents himself off the ice, on the ice, uh, he had some of the, you know, worst defenses playing in front of him and still was, you know, just just handled it well. Like he's, he's just – he he is – I interviewed Brian Leach, and, and he said that, you know, he's done as much for the Rangers and the city as Mark Messier did. And I found that very interesting because, of course, like – You don't have the cup and you, you know, you kind of have sort of gone out in like this weird way. But you've had this, you've had this effect on the fans. You've had this effect on the city. And so he is like a living legend in this city. And, and what you said there about the idea of it is, it's sad when we see amazing players have these great careers and never win a Stanley Cup. And for sometimes some, some of them, that's just like, that's just what happens, you know? And then you have other guys like Pat Maroon who've won two cups back to back. And you're like, wait, what that guy? Uh, no, he's a good player, but you know, he's not, he's not, uh, like some, some crazy diamond in the rough, but like you feel bad for guys that just like haven't won it. So then you don't feel bad though, when it's like, he still has, he still believes he has gas left in the tank. And if there's a buyer out there, like, you got to go for it because you'll always live in regret. And I think that I mean it's tough. It's the Capitals that he goes to because, having watched from afar, I'm sure that you know there's a lot of deep-seated playoff memories between both of these teams. Where it's it's like you really had to go to the Capitals. Could you not have like gone anywhere outside of sort of this this area uh, to to kind of finish off your career? But you know, I think that there might have been something there with, with Hank that that was like you know, I am going to kind of stick it to this organization that I did so much for. Like, um, I don't know. I'm just sort of speculating here. But I think that that's it's it's tough to be like it's almost like being like your family telling you, you like, okay, we're going to put you in a retirement home now. And you're like, but I'm fine. Like, I don't need to go like I'm not I can put my own socks on like you're like, no, 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 you got to we got to get you out of here. (laughs) No,
2: not too far from New York still, which is good, but (gasps) Mm it is. I'm sure every Rangers fan, like you said, the the memories. Like there were some epic battles with the, like Ovi and Hank, mm-hmm. and it emerged into superstardom. It you know kind of, at the same time, and all those playoff meetups and all those battles between Dan Girardi and Alex Ovechkin and right. and Hank and like thinking about what what it means for Lundqvist to not be a Ranger. Tom and I have already talked about this, but I'm. Like, I cannot wrap my head around what the Garden's going to be like, even if we have fans in the Garden. Well, we don't know, but... Yeah, it'll be
1: tough. It'll it'll be really tough.
2: I think it'll be brutal for Rangers fans if that first game back at the Garden is, or whatever it might be, is no fans, because the Rangers fans didn't get to say goodbye. Um,
1: Yeah, that's true. He didn't really get that last chance, and uh, you can only imagine if fans are, whenever fans are allowed and he's there... It's just going to be like not a dry eye in the whole place, including himself, because, you know, he's got to f- he, he didn't he wanted to stay. He didn't want to go, you know, <laughs> so um, which is different from other things in my past. Like I grew up as a Curtis Joseph fan and then he goes to Detroit. That was an active choice. Same with Matt Sundin and they finish he finish his career with Vancouver. And it's one of those like, but you are ours, like you're our superstar. Um, but yeah, yeah,
2: dirty and wrong.
1: It would be weird if he won the cup with, with Washington, but we'll save that for another day.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting. Like the, with him going to Washington and then also Joe Joe Thornton signing with the Leafs, Mm I was saying to myself, like, you know, like I thought everyone in the league was like, all right, you know, Hank's the old guy without a cup. Everyone's going to root for Washington. But now Thornton going to the Leafs, it's like, how many people are gonna you know root for them to finally uh, win a championship
1: yeah I think they will root for him because he's also an on good old Ontario boy right so kind of that whole going home and he's been twenty three seasons like hasn't won it been so close so many times and I find it odd though Toronto uh, Toronto has a lot of interesting decisions they've made but um, bringing in kind of like a lot of older dudes and um Jimmy VC, there, you know him. He's now yeah. part of the old uh, uh, TML. So we'll see how that works out. Wayne Simmons, also, it's like it's amazing. The Leafs have done a, a lot, a lot of work. That some of the moves even went under the radar when I was sort of looking over some of them. I'm like, oh wow, we got that guy. Like I, I missed that press release. Like, so also it's October. Like yeah, so it's been like, uh, been an interesting every time. Team-
2: Every team needs a guy with an old prospector beard, so I'm glad. Mm-hmm. I'm glad the Leafs got Fortin. It is, it is interesting though, like you said, like their fourth line and their third line is just gonna, it's, it's like Spezza came back. Yeah. Morton, it's Wayne Simmons. It's you know Jimmy Vesey is still a kid. I think he's only like he was like 900k <laughs> just for the year, but it's, yeah. Uh, It is.
1: No, but yeah, as you mentioned, the Spezza and the the Joe Thorntons of the world on that third and fourth line, it's like, okay, like, I get what you're trying to do, but I'm not sure that's going to give us enough in the bottom six, which is where they need it. But enough about a team that no one listening to this podcast wants to hear about, so... (laughs)
0: So obviously, the other big news that happened with the Rangers uh, was winning the the draft lottery, and then they had the right to select uh, Alexis Lafreniere. Uh, it's certainly been like it's. I come of two minds. There's hockey fans that are like, you know, it's kind of cool to see the Rangers going toward being relevant again, and then you also see fans that are like, oh, they put out this letter, they win two draft lotteries, and they, you know, they sign a player that. Uh, in artemi panarin that he wanted to go to new york and then they they trade for someone like adam fox who only wanted to play uh in new york um just your thoughts on the future of the rangers and how long you think it's going to take them till they're at that point of contention again
1: Honestly, like, first of all, you guys should all be very, very happy that you got a Alexis Lafreniere and and to to soak that all in and sort of just be like, wow, that was that's amazing. And I was at home in Toronto when the the little lottery ball thing happened. And when I saw, you know, kind of saw the logo of the Rangers pop up, I was like, yeah, awesome, because my boyfriend's a big Rangers fan. I live in New York City and my mom was like what? Like, cause you know, we're a Leafs household. Um, but I'm like, yeah, they're like my, this is the city I live in. I'm, I'm really happy for these guys. And um, I mean, the youth that this team has is, is remarkable. And you look at, let's just say the top five forwards here. And, and, and you have so much in your future. Mika, Artemi, Capo, um, Kreider. Like you, you got these guys. It's just, we're trying to figure out now after that like i think you're in a bit of a bind with ryan Strom. um i love i love stromer i covered him with the niagara ice dogs back in the day when he was in the ohl and uh, before he was drafted but um that's gonna be tough like i think that the rangers are gonna have to do the deal uh you know obviously they're going to arbitration but that's gonna eat up a lot of money and and, and some of the moves, I don't think, you know, why Jack Johnson, uh, you know, what, what's going on on defense, like, who's your top pair? There's a lot of questions still to be answered that, like, if I were a Rangers fan, I would almost put, like, next year is sort of like, okay, well, we'll let Capo still get more comfortable. We'll get Lafreniere comfortable in, like, whatever environment he's going to be in, if there's fans or no fans. And then sort of like retool for the the season after that would be like where i would look
0: yeah they certainly are building towards right now it's it's going to be a lot of five four games where they score a lot of goals give up uh, a lot of goals as well um we certainly thank you for your time and joining us um where can people find your work
1: yeah, so um, thank you so much for having me on. It was nice to chat a little hockey and uh, people. You can fo- people out to the universe. You can follow me on Twitter at jsb underscore TV on Instagram at Julie SB underscore and then yeah, my show it's it's on uh, Fubo Sports Network. If you have Fubo TV, which is streaming service, it's on there. Drinks with Banks Friday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. Um, yeah, but thanks guys for having me on. I really appreciate it.
0: Thanks again for Julie for joining the podcast. I uh, appreciate her time, uh, you know, talking a couple of different things. It, uh, it ended up being interesting timing, Mike. Um, when we sort of put this together, we obviously wanted to talk about hockey and things, but with the way that that story broke at the time that it did, it's just, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, your life happens and I think it was a really good conversation and some some interesting thoughts
2: yeah especially because Julie is someone who has been on the front lines of a lot of these things she's been in those rooms trying to get interviews and trying to get positions you know she's been um, you know part of sports broadcasting and talking hockey and you know she's sideline reporter for the MLS and for the US women's uh, national soccer team like she's been in this field a long time so she knows full well. Uh, fully well what this is about. And um, I'm glad we got to, you know, kind of get her two cents and take on it because this is a big deal. I know, you know, Tom and I are two white dudes talking hockey all the time. And, you know, we are conscious of that, of course. But we, when we do have guests, we want to keep in mind that. We want to make sure we have guests from, you know, diverse guests, you know, from every possible thing. I want to have more you know, BIPOC guests and think of how we can do better to do do better by doing all those things and uh, I think a big thing if, if you care about this stuff, the thing I'll say especially in sports media and hockey media which is a sport that is just so whitewashed is uh, when you see a story written by a woman, or a member of the LGBTQ community someone who's a part of the BIPOC community click the link uh, share this story. Uh, you know, get the good word out on people who do good work because it's such a silly thing. Like I said uh, to Julie, like that bumper sticker quote. It's like if you can see it, you can be it. It's so fucking important. Like you cannot overstate. <laughs> like it's incredibly important re- what representation means, and, and like what a little girl seeing AJ Maletsko between the benches you know, at an Islanders broadcast, and it's like, you know, Dad, who's that? Oh, that's A.J. Motzko. She knows a lot. Well, yeah, she was a member of the U.S. Women's National Team. Holy crap. You know, like, it's a big deal. Um, It's a really big deal. So I'm glad we got to have Julianne. It was kind of, you know, almost perfect timing. I wish this is a story we didn't have to talk about, but this is shit we have to talk about until it's no longer a problem. So... I hope we don't have to talk about it too much longer, Tom. Because, goddamn, as two white dudes, we're sick and tired of it. So I can't imagine what it's like to be on the front lines of it.
0: Yeah, I mean, like I was telling you before we started recording earlier, I've been trying to take a break from from social media and stuff, um, and just because it it does get like very draining because it's. Whether it's everything going on in the world with COVID, you know, everything going on, um, you know, election season and everything, it just seems that there is a lot of negativity. And it can be easy at times when you do have the ability to, um, you know, step out and ignore it. Um, but I definitely think you know, as we try and plot how we're going to pass the next few months before hockey starts up again, um definitely want to try and have some shows with guests. Maybe, you know, have a little different formats. Um I know we've talked offline about some things that we wanna do, um, but certainly um we're open to any suggestions, um, whether it's you know just dropping us a line on Twitter, um, you know, sending, you know, uh, a message. uh, You know, even if you're someone who's a Patreon uh, subscriber, you know, you can message us there. Um, We're certainly looking to, um, you know, keep things fresh and obviously uh, do it in a way that's, you know, also entertaining. Um, At this point, uh, we're not really sure what's going to happen next with the Rangers. Uh, Obviously, you have... Strom and lemieux arbitration um, whether or not they make it there who knows Uh, like julie said um, ryan strome is certainly going to be an interesting situation because in his case he has no incentive to uh, take less than he think he can get through arbitration and i made this point on twitter and like you know, one person interpreted it the wrong way. Like, you know, surprise that happens on Twitter. Um, but I do, I do feel for Ryan Strom in the sense that he was a top pick who had a career year in his second season. And from that point, it all went downhill to the point he ended up in Edmonton. And then obviously he ends up on the Rangers who they, they trade Uh, Ryan Spooner, who's now actually playing well in the KHL. So, so good on you, Ryan Spooner. Um, He has a career year in his last year of RFA uh, eligibility, um, and he's in this spot where he's looking for financial security. The longest deal he had was his entry-level contract, and that slid. Um, So that's part of the reason why he's where he is now. where he had that slide and then he signed the two-year
2: deal um, with Edmonton. Um, Uh, If you take a step back, the Ryan Strom story is an amazing story. Like his career resurgence in New York. Like I know a lot of our listeners care about analytics and they care about you know, they look at like, okay well, what does he do? What could he do without Panarin? What does he do in the defensive zone? Rather what doesn't he do in the defensive zone, right? Like all those things matter, but if you think of it from, you know, as a writer, Tom, I'm sure you look at stories like this the same way I do. It's like, God damn, this is a great story. Like a guy who never quite lived up to it. And then, you know, he gets moved away from the Islanders, never quite lives up to it still in Edmonton in a bad situation in Edmonton, just kind of, you know, status quo bobbing around. And then he ends up in New York and it just, comes together for him he's not the player that everyone thought he would become but he's looks like a top six forward and it looks like everything's going great and you know what if I was in Ryan Strom's camp I would be shaking like shaking pom-poms I'd be screaming for him to get as much money as he can the problem for the Rangers is they can't they have to tread so carefully with with the Strom situation and I feel like Tom I feel like because a deal hasn't been hammered out yet i feel like the rangers are very wary of you know like what julie had said like the rangers have to be careful with with what this because it's going to cost money and the real thing i think is term right this all comes down to if if a deal is made that isn't just arbitration the rangers can't get tangled up in term you know and if it's arbitration then you know whatever the arbiter gives you know he could be making a lot of money and that is unfortunate, but that's the reality of the situation, and that's what happens after you have a gigantic career year playing center for a guy who's a Hart Trophy candidate. Yeah, I, I like to think that it's
0: always implied in whatever it is we do, whether it's writing, whether it's tweeting, whether it's podcasting. When we're we're talking about someone, we're talking about the player and not the person. So, I guess, like, we kind of went over this with Jack Johnson. Like, we have nothing against
2: Jack Johnson, the person. Um, I hope Jack Johnson trips over a pot of leprechaun gold tomorrow. Um, I just don't necessarily want him on the third pair of the New York Rangers. That's all.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, not that this is, um, you know, not that this is a perfect comparison, but... um, for me, like, I would say that my first sort of um, you know, smack me in the face type moment of when you're um looking at at players and and understanding that there there's more to it than sometimes meets the eye. Um I I think of when the news broke that uh Derek Bugard had passed away and it was just as the details came out that this was a person that um you know, they had, had a lot of shit going on in their life. And it was really saddening to see everything that led up to um, what played a role in, in his his tragic death. Um, I've been yeah. trying to finish uh, Boy on Ice. I have started and stopped a few times. Oh, it's such a good book. And um, just the more of it I read, it's just... When you know the ending, it, it just makes it that much harder. Um, yeah,
2: especially because, I don't know about you, but, like, when you... I found it so interesting while I was reading that book. I was remembering, like, when Derek Bugart became a ranger, my first reaction was, why do you give this contract to the, to a goon who can't skate? Mm-hmm. Like, that's what your brain defaults to at times. And then you forget, this is a fucking human being we're talking about. And he has he has earned each penny of that contract the hardest way imaginable in this field, in this sport. Like, you cannot earn a contract more than Derek Bugard earned his contract with the Rangers. Like, it it can't be done. And you think of that, and then you think of what was going on behind the scenes, and it just it rips your heart out of your chest.
0: Yeah. Um, it, it certainly is tough. And, you know, I... The only reason I, I bring that up is just so that it's always crystal clear. You know, it's always looking at it from the context of who is this player and how do they fit with the team? How do they fit in the much larger picture? Because um, obviously, person. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, but it's it's going to be interesting to see um, the cases for both players. I believe it's November fifth, November sixth, so. But by the time this is, you know, posted and we we get on, uh, you know, to record again, um, odds are, you know, things are still unsettled. Um, But, yeah, um, we hope you uh, enjoyed, you know, this episode. We want to try and do things differently, as I said. We want to have more guests. We certainly want to, you know, keep things light. um, Because, you know, as, you know, Mike wrote in our Slack, we're kind of in the doldrums right now. Um, It's a lot of uncertainty we don't know what hockey is going to look like we don't know when it's going to start up again um, but we're you know, very happy for all the support we receive from our listeners, uh, especially our, our Patreon supporters. A Six Foot Gap, Adam Naholic, Aidan Gaspar, Amriel Kistner, Andre Shikagov, Andy White, Anthony Viola, Beezer, Ben Pierney, Bjarner Osterheim, Bob Kawa, Bobby Callahan, Captain America, Chris Abibi, Chris Lucas, Chris Marco Trigiano, Clark Carroll, Daniel Jazen David L. Singer, Fancy Lawrence, Frank Menino, George Lippman, Igor Zavlaski. Jamie Bushold, Jason Silverman, Jeff Owen, Jermaine Francis, John Bredzapelski, John Reppy, Jordan Sassone, Justin Walsh, Keith Franchillo, Kevin Mead, Kushtastic, Kyle Napolitano, Matt Bader, Matt Pumple, Matthias Olsen, Michael Kennick, Matt Pumple, Michael Marcus, <laughs> Michael Silvers, Nikolai Hoffman, Panero in twenty twenty, Patrick Landholt perennial powerhouse, Sammy Vogel, Seinberg, Sean, Steg Bjalbach, Stink Flayman, Tall Guy Rob, the Earl Carlson, the Tin Man, Tory from Han- Manhattan, and Trevor Kempner.
2: Uh, thanks again for all the support. Thank um, you, everyone. Really, I mean, I know you know we try and we try and earn your your supporters, patrons, and you know it's this has been you know now that we have reached the doldrums like i think tom i can speak for both of us but this has been a pretty challenging year um to work in this industry and to do something like the podcast and to find the time and energy for it when you know just like all of you guys we have stuff going on in our lives uh i got a kitchen sink that's leaking (laughs) you know we got shit going on we have loved ones where we wish we could see more uh, you know, it, it goes without saying that as people who work in sports media, Tom and I are, you know, it's kind of tight on the old coin purse lately. Like, it's just the reality of it is freelance work is dried up for both of us. So the support in the podcast means the world. Um, it's something where, you know, like Tom has to try and get a new microphone. And it's like, oh, yeah, we can we can do those things. Uh, and it's because of you guys, we can do those things. And it means the world to us. And I know I do this, like, every couple shows. I, I you know, speak from the heart a little bit about how much it means, but it does mean a lot, and we appreciate it. Yeah, as Mike said, um, obviously,
0: you know, we we really appreciative of your support. We understand that, you know, there are some people who have had to, you know, whether decrease their amount, drop off completely. We totally understand. We hope everything's... 100% get it, because... yeah
2: i've had to do they're like you know i think my disney plus comes up in january and i can tell you right now not doing that shit again uh it just there's all these little things where these little things that add up and uh if you take a moment and you say you know what i want to keep the podcast as something i do a couple bucks every month we know what that means uh and we really do appreciate it we're better than disney plus too i should say I would like to think so. Take that, Disney. You <laughs> son of <bitches>. Yeah. <laughs> at us. Bring it exactly. on, Mouse.
0: <laughs> With that said, uh, take care. Piece of shit. We'll speak to you next week. Take care, Mikey. Bye bye, Tom.